All right, so there's so many different implants. Patients come in all the time saying, I want to look like this. I want these types of results. I mean, how do you guide them to even start this whole process? First thing I tell my patients is that numbers and letters, you need to get them out of your head. Numbers being the CCs and letters being your cup size. Welcome to the WeJ Andrew Show. This is a podcast about a husband and wife plastic surgery team here to talk about all things plastic surgery, our journey, our recovery for our patients, pre, post-op, all things plastic surgery. We're super pumped to have you today. Our first episode today will be about breast implants. All right, guys, welcome to the WeJ Andrew Show, where we're going to talk about all things plastic surgery medicine, aesthetics, anything to do with the body and wellness. Um, We're going to jump right into it on episode one. We're going to talk about all things implants, just rapid fire questions about implants. I'm kind of going to do like role play-ish where I'll be like a patient asking about implants. You give me your opinions. And with plastic surgery, we all have our opinions on implants. There's some facts, obviously, but we're definitely going to have differences of opinion. So first thing, rapid fire question. Your favorite implant, silicone or saline? Silicone. I think that you get a a nicer overall look. They feel a lot more natural. Um, So personally, about 99% of my patients are going with silicone. And then why would someone go saline? So with saline, uh, you can vary the size a little bit more so you can overfill, underfill. They come not pre-filled like silicone implants, so there is that little bit of variability um also with saline if it bursts you know that it burst and so there's no need for any kind of surveillance mris or ultrasounds you know if that implant is intact or not because you basically if it breaks if it breaks you get a flat tire so that's (laughs) that's a good thing and a bad thing and you just pee out all that liquid yes it's it's not harmful for you it's just normal saline so silicone then is there different types of silicone or when we talk about silicone, is it all the same? So there's definitely different types of silicone and silicone has kind of undergone an evolution uh, since the first breast implants. So we're now on a much more sophisticated generation of silicone. And so uh, these are now termed like the gummy bear implant silicone. And within that, several of the different companies use different kind of um, cohesivities of their silicone. And so you'll see a little bit different uh, amongst the different companies. Also, within the companies, there are the least cohesive implants and the most cohesive implants. So Allergan has three, Sintra has two, Mentor has one. Cohesivity is just a... So is that, that's another word for gummy. For gummy, yes. Gummy. So there's gummy, gummier, gummiest with Allergan, gummy and gummier with Sientra, and then the mentor implants. So I, I guess I didn't say earlier because I should answer some of these questions. I haven't put a saline implant in like over three years. So I'm pretty much, I will do it upon request, but. They're just in low demand. 100% of my patients have done silicone implants. And they're, and they're coming in asking for that. It's not that we necessarily yeah. push them one way or the other. Almost everybody's coming in asking for silicone. And then is it true that when you have a saline implant, that saline implant has a silicone shell? Correct. So, so you're getting silicone no matter what. It's just what is inside of the implant that. So when people want saline implants, if they're trying to avoid silicone, it's impossible. Exactly. Okay. All right. So... There's so many different implants. Patients come in all the time saying, I want to look like this. I want these types of results. I mean, 
how do you guide them to even start this whole process? The first thing I tell my patients is that numbers and letters, you need to get them out of your head. Numbers being the CCs and letters being your cup size. Reason why is so I can kind of, you know, pull two implants up together. And these are right around the same size implant. We have a moderate profile implant. We have a full profile implant. Even more different would be the moderate to the ultra high profile implant. Now, those are going to be completely different shapes, even though they have the exact same CCs. So whenever patients come up to me and say, you know, I want a 400 CC implant, that could mean a variety of different shapes, sizes, all of that. So get the numbers out of your head. It's about a look and it's about the different profiles, how that fits with your anatomy, all those kind of things. The other thing is I say, kind of get cup sizes out of out of your mind. Now we're still going to ask you around what cup size you want to be, but that's just, you know, are you going from an A to a double D versus like an A to a B plus? That means, that means a difference. So where you're starting, where you want to be, that, that variance kind of makes a difference. But within bra companies, even, you know, a Victoria's Secret t-shirt bra versus a demi bra are going to be completely different cup sizes. So don't get too married to a cup size because it may be a little bit different. And it's very hard to fully predict how that implant's going to settle and look in a bra because everybody's body is very different. Okay, so let's, everything you said was great, but let's break it down just because two things. One, a lot of those things sound very common for you and I, but Mm -hmm. like may not be for someone who's listening. So when you describe things, make sure Mm -hmm. you tell us exactly what you're describing because some people may be just listening. Right. So So when you say CCs, let's just start with that one. So CC is is kind of a term of measurement that we use for breast implants. It's how many milliliters or cubic centimeters are inside of that bag of silicone, regardless of whether it's it's filled with silicone or filled with saline. So that's the the filling material. Um, and so if you have, say, a narrower base and you fill it to a higher height, then that's going to be the ultra high profile. If you have a wider so base. When you say base, mm-hmm. let's just go through it all because this mm-hmm. is like implant 101. So you say base. What does base mean for people? So you the, can, width. the width. Okay, the width. So the width yeah. of the implant is what you mean by the word base. Yes. Okay. So then... So if it's a narrower base or a smaller width mm-hmm. and a higher and higher projection or higher profile, higher height, then you're that's typically what the ultra high profile implants are gonna look like. And so whenever I am sizing patients for implants and going through that process, I measure their anatomy and then I look at implants that are going to look good on their body based on that anatomy. We can always kind of give them a little bit more oomph, a little bit more you know, cleavage, a little bit more highness, all that kind of stuff. But that's more dictated by the, the type of implant, the volume of the implant, the profile of the implant, than just people getting hung up on numbers and cup sizes. And that's where I found the most difficulty in getting through to my patients as to they just get caught up on a number. I think that's fair because, you know, when you're just at the pool and everyone's just talking about, I got a 35 C, 350 cc implant. So that's like the exactly, number. Exactly, yes. But they never said, oh, my doctor got me a base width of 12 centimeter Ex- implant. Yes. So they don't come <laughs> saying, I want a 12 centimeter base implant. They say, I want a 350 cc base implant. So mm-hmm. when you say width, you're basically saying. 
So I'm measuring the patient's chest. chest. So I'm measuring measuring kind of that central portion of the chest where it comes over, where that muscle attaches, because I can't go any further central than that. And then, yeah, you want a little bit of nice side boob. Some people want more, but like a tasteful side boob. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to be so wide on their chest that it's overwhelming their body and making them look larger. Um, a lot of patients ask me all the time, is this implant going to make me look fat? Well, if it's hanging halfway off your body, yes. Yeah. I think that's, that's going to be the, the most important part of this series on implants is the one thing that no one actually talks about like in public is the width of the implant they only talk about cc's yes. but in reality the width is the most important one yes. of the most important and so part. if you ask a plastic surgeon what's the most important part of an implant they're going to tell you the width the width and so but it's very hard to go around the pool saying like well i have a 14 centimeter base width <laughs> you, you know yeah, <laughs> what do you I have like it. so everybody talks about it in cc's but i think that that that's the biggest thing whenever I'm trying to educate patients whenever they're coming in is that you, you kind of have to forget all of that and focus on what's best for you. Right. And for me, I'm a totally the same way. Base width is very important. I do a quick eyeball measurement and a, and a, a ruler measurement. But sometimes it gets super confusing for the patients where they're, you know, if they find a CC volume that they like and it happens to fit with their base width, it's like, match made in heaven but when it starts in my when i see them if they start picking an implant that's way outside their base width then i start the counseling process like okay look like you said you can only be this wide and if you pick an implant wider than your anatomy you're gonna have ultra side cleavage or the worst thing that could happen is that when you're laying down that implant slides into your like axilla because it's ripping ripping your anatomy on the lateral Mm -hmm. aspect which is you know not ideal Yes. So base width, we have CCs, and then you mentioned height and projection and extra high full. Kind of go into what that is, because now we kind of know two things. What's the third one? So whenever you're talking about the profile, the best way to kind of describe it, um, if you're not looking at the implants, is that width to height ratio. So in a moderate profile, you are going to have a wider width and a shorter height kind of ratio. So that's going to be a a bigger width to height ratio. That width to height ratio begins to decrease or vice versa, the height to width ratio increases as you go into a high profile implant. So if these are the same width, this one has more height. And then with the ultra high profile, you're getting that most height for that set width. Okay, so if you... Do you ever, like, let's say the anatomy is perfect and any implant can basically fit in this girl because she's just, the rib cage is, like, the perfect measurement and she's got the perfect body for an implant. So what do you tell people that these different heights, of course, they can all fit in her, but, like, what look would they give them potentially? So with a moderate profile, if you're sticking with what your base width is, it's going to give you the most natural result, kind of that it's just around, gives you a little bit more upper pole fullness. A lot of my patients who have had children and just kind of want what they lost with breastfeeding, that's more of the implant that they tend to go towards. Um, the full profile implant gives you that little bit, you know, more like a little bit, a little bit more umph, a little bit, you know, looks better in a bikini, kind of a little bit more upper pole fullness, some cleavage. And then the ultra high profile for that set width, it's 
pinched to give you a lot of more upper pole fullness, a lot of cleavage. That's kind of maximizing the amount of cc's that we can get for your given width. So you, plastic surgeons use the word upper pole fullness. Yes. Also known as, what does that mean to other so, people? Because they're hearing yeah. upper pole fullness and, you know, what does that mean? So the uh, kind of fullness in the upper part of your breast is the best way to say. So what's what's coming out of, you know, if you're... If, well, no, cleavage, I think, is more of the, cin- the okay. central part. Okay. Um, the upper pole fullness is kind of, if you're wearing like a tube top or a tank or something like that, that's that upper breast that's kind of coming out at the top. Okay. So like if you if you would say that you have like side cleavage or boob, mm-hmm. you have medial cleavage, this yes. is like upper cleavage, upper, cleavage. Mm-hmm. upper pole fullness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about this because what is this? So this is a textured implant. <laughs> okay. uh, these are no longer on the market from this company, Naturel or Allergan. Okay, so what's, what's the benefit of textured? Because there, the, there is a benefit yeah, to textured. Because the whole the whole world uses textured implants except America, basically. Yes. Australia uses it. Some of the best AUG surgeons in the world are in Australia, and they all use textured implants. Correct. They never use smooth round. In America, we only use. Smooth around, basically. Yes. But why, what's the benefit of a textured implant? So the benefit of a textured implant is that the texturing almost acts like a Velcro. So mm-hmm. it kind of sticks right in your body. Uh, you're not getting as much movement of that implant. The implants don't tend to go to the side as much. Um, and then you can also have these shaped implants as well mm-hmm. um, to where you can notice uh, if you're able to see this. Um, so the smooth rounds are smooth all the way around. And then the textured implants are kind of shaped in that the upper area has less fullness, the lower area has more fullness, and you can manipulate that shape in a multitude of different ways. So that's the benefit is that it gives you a lot more shapes Mm -hmm. and it sticks into your body the the way that it's put in. The downside to them yeah, is that if they rotate or flip, yeah, then awesome. you can get a very odd-looking breast. Um, and then it there has been a type of lymphoma that's been associated only with textured implants, not with smooth implants. And so that is the reason why the natural implants that had the highest incidence of that were taken off the market. I believe that Mentor and Cientras are still on the market, but I don't know of any plastic surgeon that's still using them right now. Or textured in, in general. Yeah, textured in, in, round in the textured. U.S. And I was going to say, in, in, my, in our training, and I remember seeing these being flipped upside down. It's like totally obvious versus if a smooth round implant happens to rotate in the girl's breast, it's always in the right position, which Correct. is one of the benefits mm-hmm. of this implant. Okay, so cohesivity or gumminess, tell me mm-hmm. about that. So gumminess is kind of like that feel of the implant. So whenever you squish an implant, um, they can be very, very squishy, which is the least cohesive. They can have a little bit more umph to them, which is kind of the middle cohesive, or they can be a little bit firmer than that, and that's the most cohesive. Um, but what that means other than a feel thing, because most of the time this is you know, under your breast tissue, under your muscle, you can't really feel that implant as much. Uh, it's more of how it stands up on your body. And that's something that you really have to see. Um, whenever you hold up the least cohesive implants, it tends to fall more into that teardrop shape that you'll see with the, the textured shaped implants. Whereas if you hold up the more cohesive one, you have more of that upper pole fullness, that roundness up at the top. 
Um, and so that kind of gives you an extra variability with the type of implants that you're choosing for your body. So would you say it's fair to say the least gummy implant will give you theoretically a more natural look than the most gummiest implant? Yes, absolutely. Like the upper pole fullness and cleavage medially, cleavage laterally. It's just a stronger mm-hmm. yes, gel it is, inside. It is a stronger gel, so it's going to withstand the pressures of your breast throughout. What is this? That is a sizer. And so these are not impl- these are not implants that we put. So this kind of looks like the a, a chicken breast almost. Oh, right. And so like a yeah. chicken cutlet. Um, this is very similar to whenever somebody tells you to put like a bag of rice and put it against your breast and use that to find how many cc's you're gonna look you're gonna use. And it's almost exactly in like that in that there is no shape to this whatsoever. This is just kind of filling out your bra, seeing right around the cc's that that you're going to need. But this, as we talked earlier, is only going to give you a cc amount, not the different shapes. So I find them somewhat useful just to kind of get an idea of how big patients are wanting to go. Sure, and I, I use them for almost every breast talk because the number one question probably I get is, is this too big, right? They always say, they always put the sizers in and like, is this, is this too big? on my body and I generally tell them is that if it looks too big on your body the sizer then it's probably too big but if it doesn't look too big this is probably how it's going to look volume wise not cleavage wise but this is kind of like how we put so we put the we have a sizing bra we put these sizing cutlets in and then we also have a bunch of t-shirts or whatever clothes they brought in to wear and we put that over them it's like how does this all silhouette how does this all add up and sometimes they put these cutlets in it's like it's way too big and then i'm like perfect now let's roll it back until you get comfortable but sometimes they're like it doesn't look too big but they're asking me and i'm like this if it doesn't look too big on you it's likely not too big Mm -hmm. so when you come in for a consult we definitely recommend bringing significant others best friends sisters moms whoever's going to be absolutely whoever's going to help you make that decision same person you would bring for a wedding dress shopping is the same person you need to bring for implant, for, for implant shopping. hundred <laughs> um, percent. Okay. What other topics of implants did I miss to ask you about? Um, we didn't talk about incision. Okay, yeah, so uh, where, where the scar is going to be for the breast augmentation, because we cannot do this scarless. There's, um, there's four options, really three that okay. still exist. So there is under the breast fold, which is by far the most common. There's around the areola, which is actually more common in some South American countries. Um, there's through the armpit, and then there's also through the belly button. The through the belly button, I don't know of anybody that really still does that anymore. Um, they, there's a lot of problems with that, and so I'm going to kind of leave that one off as one that we're going to talk okay. about. Um, most common one underneath the fold, it's the cleanest, safest way to do the operation for the most part. Um, there's certain patients that fall outside of that category. But uh, you have kind of direct access to everything, really good visibility as far as the, sur- the surgeon's concerned. Um, you're able to do some extra things, like some of the things that I do are, are called like a custom dual plane, which is a whole other topic that we yeah. can do 30 minutes on. Um, and so those things are a lot easier to do from an IMF incision. So that is my preferred type. Um, the probably second most common that I do is around the areola. That's for people who don't want that incision underneath the breast 
Or sometimes I'll push people who don't have a nice fold right underneath their breast to go for either the through the axilla incision or around the nipple incision. Um, and that way that that fold can be a little bit better to find. It doesn't kind of ride up a little bit for those patients that have a very, very ill-defined fold. The problem is, is around the nipple, it can be a little bit dirty because that's where the milk ducts are coming out of. You can also have a higher risk of sensation changes if you go around the nipple, higher chance of having issues with breastfeeding in the future. And so those are some of the reasons why I don't tend to go around the nipple. Another right. thing is that you can get some scarring around yeah. that nipple called a winking deformity, and that looks very odd and is very difficult to treat in the future. And uh, correct me, is a capsular contracture as well. Yes, capsular contracture is also higher in around the nipple. Okay. Um, through the armpit is technically more challenging for surgeons. Uh, so I think that with that technique, if you don't have somebody who uses that technique almost all the time, you do have a higher risk of getting malpositioning of the implant. Um, and I think even for surgeons that use it all the time, that is the most common, like where I see patients coming in with just disastrous, you know, complications from other surgeons are surgeons that are putting it in through the armpit. And it you can get implants that ride really high for really long. If you're going to choose to go through the armpit, definitely choose a surgeon who who does that all the time um, because that's a difficult technique the other thing that i talk to patients about with the armpit incision is that it's almost impossible to do a revision through the armpit incision and if you're under the age of 30 you're going to need a revision at some point in your life with these devices so kind of bite the the bullet now just an implant exchange it Mm -hmm. could be Anything, it could be something small and it'd still be impossible, not impossible, very difficult. Very difficult to do through through an armpit. So for me, I basically, again, just like silicone, I, in the last three years, I probably have done only inframammary or under the breast. Um, I agree. You get better access to the pocket. It's the cleanest incision and the fold of the breast that women have is the only way to control. Not the only way, but it's the easiest access to control that fold, mm-hmm. uh, prevent bottoming out, prevent all the things that can happen. You can also have a better opportunity to do custom cleavage and stuff like that through a dual plane, through under the fold. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally speaking, you know, folds can change positions, obviously on the size, but it's almost hidden in every position. Right, yeah. You can, you can hardly see that incision in 99% of our patients. Okay, so since you talked about incision, let's quickly chat about um, muscle, above or below real quick, because I know that that's another quick question. Another quick, yes. So above the muscle versus below the muscle, and then there's a dual plane, which is kind of the best of both worlds. So um, under the muscle is probably the most common that's seen, at least in the United States. Uh, I feel like that muscle acts like an internal bra, kind of helps keep that implant up and... um, keep that result lasting a little bit longer. If you put the implant above the muscle, I feel like it stretches that breast tissue out a little bit more over time, which if you have some what we call ptosis or your nipple being a little bit lower, sometimes that's better because you don't want that internal bra keeping that implant up and your breast tissue falling off the front. So that's one of the reasons why you may want it above the muscle is if you're trying to get it to match that breast tissue that's falling off a little bit. Um, there's a higher risk of capsular contracture with the above the muscle. Um, and then there is, like I said, more, more ptosis, more drooping of that breast 
with above the muscle over time, but it does kind of match along with that. The other time that I will sometimes put it above the muscle is whenever patients are very, very active and working out. Um, They have really strong pec muscles. They can't stop from using those pec muscles. And so they can get what's called animation deformity. So whenever they flex, those muscles, that implant moves whenever they flex. So some of our uh, fitness models are the most challenging patients because they have very, very thin skin, very little breast tissue, but they don't want that animation deformity. So it's hard to get a nice natural result in those patients. And going below has the advantage of basically, we can argue, more natural feeling. Mm -hmm. Yes. Safer in regards to capsular contracture and other things. Yeah, it hides that implant a lot more, especially for those very, very thin-breasted women. And dual plane? Dual plane is where you lift that muscle up a little bit. So that muscle kind of acts to camouflage that upper pole of of the implant, helps to give you a more natural result. But now that implant can fit down into that bottom part of the fold. And so patients who do have that little bit of nipple ptosis or kind of that, that little bit of hanging, it's kind of you get the benefit of going underneath the muscle with the decreased risk of capsular contracture and the better camouflage of the implant, but it can help kind of lift that nipple a little bit and make that implant sit more with their natural breast tissue. Okay, because we're running out of time, that mm-hmm. 25 minutes went fast, let's end with, I guess, one last, like, if you could have it the perfect scenario, perfect way you know, what would you use silicone saline, smooth round, what incision, what dual plane, what cohesivity? If you got anything you want, like what would be your perfect meal when it comes to choosing a surgery with the so implant? The, be- the best patient, the ideal patient yeah. where I say, oh, perfect, you're going to look amazing, has what I call a, a type 2 fold, meaning that they have a nice fold, but it's not completely flat. Okay. I would go underneath that IMF, so underneath the fold, because that incision is going to hide perfectly. I'm going to go underneath the muscle and just release that muscle a little bit, so a, a, a easy dual plane or a minimal dual plane, just so that that implant grows with them as they age a little bit more. I'm going underneath the muscle, um, and I'm putting in a smooth, round implant. And then for most of those patients that I'm talking about, like the tee-up perfect patients, you're going with a high-profile or a full-profile implant. And what cohesivity? So what implant brand do you normally use? I usually use... Use use everything, but Yeah, I typically use Allergan or Natural Implants. And then if I'm going with that, I'm going with the middle, that kind of Goldilocks, white, sweet spot, soft-touch implant. So the middle cohesivity. So full, soft-touch, under the muscle, dual plane, under the fold. Yes. Locking the fold. Yes. Okay. Custom dual plane if they need it. But you said you said ideal candidate. Yeah, ideal so candidate. Yeah, so ideal candidate, you don't have to do any of those fancy maneuvers. <laughs> true, true, true. Um, awesome. Well, that's that's episode one. Um, and anyone in the comments, you can let us know what topics you want to talk about. Every episode will probably be 25 to 27 minutes once a week. And we'll go over anything plastic surgery. So we're starting with implants, but we'll go through the entire spectrum of stuff and then move on to recoveries and vitamins and all the things plastic surgery. So we're totally pumped about this and the staff's excited and learn everything about plastic surgery. All right. Thank you, guys.